Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm your host, Jay Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by my handsome and charming co-host, our Director of Digital Marketing, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Whitlock. Jeff, man, good to have you back with me today. Well, it is very good to be here. Again, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get to be seen or heard very much in these. I just cut them together. So it's, you know, watch out world, here I come. <laughs> yeah, you know, for those of you that have been listening for a while, Jeffrey's the... Uh, brain behind the editing and the recording and all the things that he does that are really really cool to help put this uh together so man glad to have you today though on here recording with us and also today we've got a very old and good friend of mine uh a a superstar in the outdoor industry uh the sporting chef himself also the host of dead meat and the official chef of ducks unlimited mr scott lasath Hey, buddy. What is going on, man? Man, it's all you. <laughs> well, you know, I just got in from uh, a week on the road. Of we've, Let's see. I've fed, fed uh, Dish Network employees, homeless folks in Denver, and the Boulder County Fair. <laughs> the entire Boulder County Fair, just some of the people yeah, there. Just whoever stopped, happened to stop by the Sportsman Channel booth, but... Um, it's just, it's part of my life on the road. How many nights a year do you stay on the road? I'm probably gone more than I'm home. So far this year, I've flown 90,000 miles, just domestic. And so you know what that's all about. But, uh, you know, I, I get off the plane and I'm not quite sure where I am. But you know what's worse? When nobody wants you. <laughs> <laughs> that, At least you have somewhere to go when you travel. <laughs> I do, and I always have coolers full of food with me. <laughs> You're very, very All right, popular. so I'll, I'll bite. I'll bite. What's in the cooler? Well, this week, or this last week, I had uh, bison, jalapeno, sausages, boneless quail, uh, wild hog, uh, hindquarter, and uh, rabbit rattlesnake sausage. Well, apparently you are my new best friend, so... <laughs> You know, to me, all that sounds good, even the rattlesnake sausage. And, you know, it's kind of funny. When I'm feeding people the rabbit rattlesnake sausage, I'll say, hey, would you like some rabbit? And then as soon as I say rattlesnake, rattlesnake, they recoil in fear as if there's, as if they've never had anything that bad in a sausage, right? <laughs> Do you get the gag reflex sometimes when they, if they've I already do. taken a bite? As soon as you say rattlesnake, you know, and what I tell them is you've had worse things in your sausage, I guarantee. (laughs) I guarantee you're right, too, particularly if you've been to South Louisiana. You know, there's always an element of trust when it comes to sausage. And in South Louisiana, if a nutria happens to slip in there, who's going to notice, right? Exactly. I guarantee (laughs) you. I've eaten both boudin and and sausage that's had a little bit of nutria ratting in it at some point in my life. I'm and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with those nutria either. They're vegetarians. We cooked them on the on the dead meat show, and uh, 
you know, they suffer from an image problem because they got those two big yellow teeth and they look like about a 20 pound swamp rat. And, uh, but they're, they taste just fine. If you want to eat one, go ahead. Really? Well, yeah, you know, people there are, they'll eat wild hogs all day long. And, and the question I ask is what does a hog eat? And, uh, so if, if you are what you eat, then the door is wide open if you happen to eat a piece of bacon. So something like something like Nutria shouldn't bother you at all. So how do you cook a Nutria? You know, we went low and slow with it. Um, there was a, a, a chef in somewhere down there around Venice that did a really nice job and a kind of slow braised it and that kind of deal. But we just, you know, we cooked it like you do a pork shoulder and just went low and slow and put a little barbecue sauce on it after it was wrapped and it fell right apart and it tasted just like pulled pork to me. Wow. Tell us a little bit about your show, Scott, Dead Meat, for those out there listening that have never seen it. Well, the Dead Meat Show is, uh, is kind of like a bizarre foods for the outdoor market. It is, um, we're, we try and connect with people, you know, kind of lifestyle people. For instance, we found a guy in Texas who um, hunts, cooks, and eats armadillo. Armadillo uh, is the only animal that can transmit leprosy to humans, so you want to make sure you cook your armadillo all the way through. We're oh. we're going wow. to uh, we're going to the Canadian Arctic for the next season to be with the Inuits to have a little whale blubber and uh, whale blubber, moose snout, and walrus. Wow. Okay, so so I have a question then. So this is, I mean, that show, that's an, an incredible premise. How does how do you get started with that? Where did that come from? Well, you know, it's it started about seven years ago on Sportsman Channel, um, and that's when we, you know, we were just looking. We, for instance, we did the opening weekend of squirrel season in the Apalachicola, Florida National Forest, which which is a real slice of Americana. They let kids out of school on Friday early so they can go upriver and shoot squirrels, and you know, we just wanted to connect with some, you know. There's enough deer hunting shows right now, I think. And so we, uh, we want to do something different and more of a lifestyle thing. I've, all my life, I used to drive from, ride from Virginia to Florida every year um, when I was a kid to go see the grandparents in Florida. And I remember we'd go by these little brackish, swampy areas, and there'd be a whole bunch of mostly black folk with cane poles and coolers, and they were there for the day. And so I'm going to, I want to go spend some time with them. I always wondered, man, are they catching anything? And if they are, what are they doing with it? So it's just exploring different lifestyles. We've got, uh, we're going to be Asian carp, bow, I guess, I'm not sure if you call it hunting or fishing, but you know, when they fly out of the air, we're going to shoot them in the air with bows. I imagine that's a low percentage shot, but um, that's our plan. We frog gigging, you know, sucker gigging in Missouri we're just trying to find things that most people don't do. And if you just start searching invasive species, that's a good start. Um, you know, Florida is a hotbed between the snakeheads, iguanas, pythons, uh, uh, lionfish, and who knows what. There's plenty of things out there that most people don't eat. No doubt about it. Well, tell me, what is the craziest thing that you've ever cooked? You know, I got to tell you, Python is not my favorite. Um, we had a guy cook in the Everglades. A, a guy made uh, python and cheese grits. And, you know, most people have had rattlesnake or some kind of fried hunk of snake. P 
python is nothing like rattlesnake it is so incredibly tough and it's really high in mercury so there's just no reason to eat python we had heard that they were taking over the everglades and there wasn't a fawn or a puppy in sight and we didn't find that to be the case um you know iguana tastes like frog legs uh we were in we were down in texas on the texas mexico border and we were at this portuguese mexican festival and these really nice old guys said man i saved this for you and it was uh, called machito and it was goat heart liver and lung wrapped with goat fat and tied with goat intestines and as good as that sounds it was a little bit undercooked so you've got this warm fat on the outside that's not quite cooked and then you get to the crunchy organ part in the center uh you know i don't think i need to eat it again i just had the one <laughs> bite but i don't want to offend these people because obviously it means a lot to them and it was a special deal for them so i'm not there to make fun of them it, but i'll let you know if it doesn't happen to be on my top 10 list Okay, I have, a, I have a question for you. So has there, have you ever run across something that you would not eat? You know, I'll eat a bite of it. You know, the, there's some things like uh, uni, which I know is a foodie thing. It's what the terrible. hell is uni? Yeah, what, what is well, uni? What is an uni and is it good to have a big one? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well you, you've seen uni on sushi restaurant menus. And what it is, is it's sea urchin gonads. Now... <laughs> it's a real delicacy. I'm telling you, if you've had sushi and you've seen it on there, it's kind of this yellow looking really, really soft. It's, it's texturally, it's just not my favorite, but I'm going to keep trying it um, because it's supposed to be such a foodie thing. And uh, what's that big penis looking thing? The, uh, Cucumber. Uh, no, sea cucumber. Sea cucumber. We did, yeah. The sea cucumber we did on the Dead Meat Show in Alaska, um, and they're really gross looking because you split them open and all the juice dishes out, and then you nail it to a slanted board, and it kind of relaxes. And you've got these five muscles on the inside. You scrape them out, and you saute them with garlic butter, and they taste exactly like um, garlic butter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even i don't even have words for that i don't even i don't have a response there i'm trying to come up with something i, I just don't have a i don't have words yeah well you know it's not all of it is good um but some of the stuff that looks really gross is actually pretty tasty oh yeah i've had a lot of things that people you know normally would need you brought up the asian carp you know they're really not have you cooked any yet you know i haven't cooked the asian carp but i've cooked a bunch of other carp and and even the the funkiest of carp, what I do is I'll put it onto a, a grill with a cover on it and I'll put it skin side down, low temp and cut, put the cover down, don't flip it. And then once it's cooked, I let that carp cool. Then you pull all the good meat off the carp. So you're not dealing with the bones, the bloodlines, any of that other dark funky stuff you get on a carp. You give it a good squeeze and get the carp juice out of it. And then I like to even wrap it in two-ply paper towels to wick as much of that funky carp juice as you can out of it. You dry it out, you season it, and you pretend it's crab meat, and you make fish cakes out of it, just like you would any other fish cake. If you want to be really fancy, you can butterfly a shrimp, flour it, and build that carp cake around the outside, leaving that shrimp tail sticking out. And if you serve it to people and don't tell them it's carp, they're going to say, man, that is a good fish cake. Wow. 
You know, I've had it. I've had Asian carp. There is actually a uh, restaurant uh, that has it on the menu. Uh, actually, there, there are a couple. There's one in Louisiana. I cannot think of the name of this restaurant, but we had it. And on the menu, it's called Cajun Snapper. I mean, it, all it is is Asian carp, but it's listed on the menu as Cajun Snapper. And uh, you can get it fried or grilled. And it is very, very good. And then there's another place that uh, up in Kentucky, a guy that just is a foodie and cook calls it Kentucky Snapper. And, uh, you know, the preparation for him is the most difficult part because, it, you know, he, he likes the bigger ones where he can cut the bloodline out of them and he can remove all of the bones. And they are very good. I mean, I've had it both times that I had it, both in Louisiana and Kentucky. Um, I thought it was really good. So hopefully it's going to catch on, too, because a hot topic right now here in Tennessee and Kentucky and, and up and down the Mississippi Valley, but particularly here, is the Asian carp and what they're doing to some of our lakes that have current in them, like Kentucky Lake on the Tennessee River and Pickwick. And now they're down, you know, near our buddy uh, Donnie's in Huntsville down in Decatur at Wheeler. And they're really wreaking havoc, particularly at Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake on the fishery. Yeah. And they pose a danger. So, man, if you can get the public informed uh, that Asian carp is not bad to eat, that it's actually a good game fish, you'd be doing everybody a public service, brother. Well, and, I, and I'm told that they're more like a grass carp, that they're more like a lighter flat. They're not quite as dark and funky as the other carp. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not sure how many we're going to get out of the air with bows, but we'll find <laughs> a way to get them. We'll find a way to cook them anyway. Wow. Well, are you still associated with Camp Chef, Scott? Very much so. Uh, you know, I have been a Camp Chef fan for 25 years. I still have a two-burner Camp Chef stove that is not TV-worthy, but I still use it all the time. And um, Camp Chef has been a big supporter of the Sporting Chef show forever and ever and ever. And um, actually, Brooks Hansen from Camp Chef is one of the videographers for the TV show. So... I spend a lot of time with Camp Chef. I've 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 made I've made a lot of Camp Chef fans over the year introducing the products to them, and they're solid. I mean, their their pellet grills um, have so many more features than the leading brand um, <laughs> pellet grill smoker that I won't mention. But you got to check them out if you're thinking of buying a pellet smoker, pellet grill. I would highly recommend checking out Camp Chef. Everyone that I've sent there, without exception, has said. Better, better built, less money, and works much, much better than the leading brand. Yeah, I, I love them. I mean, we love the Camp Chef stuff. We've had Ryan Neely on here a couple times. You know, um, uh, a few years ago, I guess it was uh, about three years ago or so, you and I hooked up out in Lodi, California. Uh, one day, I, our friends from Michael David Winery out at the Bear Ranch, and you brought out the box grill and uh, the big three-burner top. And we cooked, uh, what did we cook? Specs. You know, we cooked specs and it was a, it was a heck of a spec hunt too. We've, we, you know, it surprises people what we have here in the other California. Um, when y'all come out to hunt ducks and geese and things with me, they, um, you, well, you knew what you were coming into, right? But oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. people don't understand what's going on here in California. And, and the, the Michael David guys, as you mentioned, the wine guys there, you know, they love to hunt and fish. And, and they, and it just so happens that they have some really good wine too. 
Oh, I love their wine. God, the night we went to dinner. I'll tell you what, Inkblot Petite Bordeaux is still one of my all-time favorite wines. Now I've had it in a couple, three different vintages, and it's great all the way across the board. But after cooking with you that day, I actually came back and called Ryan, and uh, I've got that same three-burner now with that uh, grill box. With the grill? With yeah. the grill, and I love it. I mean, it is the greatest tailgating piece of equipment that I've ever had and really, really like those guys at Camp Chef. And they've got a lot of great recipes on their website. And I know you've contributed a whole lot of those. Well, and what's, and what's good about those, like the Pro 90 that you're talking about is it's modular. So you can, you can drop that grill onto it. You can do a flat top on it. If you want to do breakfast, you can use it as a fish cooker. You can do all sorts of things with it. And uh, that's the Pro 90 and get the grill box and the grill top and, and you won't need anything else. Um, so you had me at wine, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about, I don't know, tell me about that. Where does your experience come, come in with wine? How did, how did that get started? You know, um, in Northern California, there's a fair amount of wine here. So um, we, 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 we tend to drink it. I'm not a wine snob. I'm not... I don't say you have to drink this with that. I tell people to drink the wine they like, the food they like. You know, there are some foods that wine goes better with as far as pairing goes, but you know, I don't know that people take it all that seriously. And I just, I just want them to enjoy a good wine. I tell them don't cook with the good wine. I don't care what the guys tell you on TV. They, when they say don't cook with the wine, you wouldn't drink. Well, I'm going to save my money for the wine I drank and I'm going to cook with a neutral, like just a burgundy. If you go to, if you go to commercial kitchens, they are not cooking with good wine. They've got an 18-liter box with a spout on it, and that's what they're cooking with, and it's usually Chablis and Burgundy. So drink the good stuff, cook with the, the stuff that doesn't have flavors added or any of that, just a straightforward Burgundy or Chablis, something like that is great for cooking. All right. Um, very good. So for our uh, for a lot of our our listeners out there we've got we've got kind of this mix of uh, fishermen right now and duck hunters tell us the what what wine should the fishermen be drinking taking with them out on the boat not that they would <laughs> no <laughs> you're, 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 out on a, you're out on a in the water it's never been consumed <laughs> on the water ever right right um, fish for the for the catch and fry guys and then with the duck guys what what are they drinking you know the catch and fry guys i lean you know, I, I still drink white wine. I like a good kind of floral Sauvignon Blanc to go with something that's really spicy fried. Um, you know, if if you're not committed to red wine, a Pinot Noir is a pretty easy entry because it's not real tannic. It's on the lighter side. Um, with something like duck, I'm going to make my duck, I'm going to season it with olive oil and garlic and pepper and and i'm going to pair it with something like that uh the inkblot petite verdot that jay paul was talking about a bigger heavier wine that keeps up with that spicier duck and you know duck that good duck fat goes really well with wine um as long as of course you don't overcook your duck boy you know that is that phrase right there don't overcook your duck that is what we hear all year long ryan neely from camp chef cannot stress that enough about overcooking duck. Well, and you know, you know, if you look at recipes, you know, I'm, my dad was an Alabama, Alabama farm boy and he would take ducks and stuff them with wild rice and apples and oranges and all this other crap with the mistaken notion that it's going to make it 
more juicy and mellow it out and not be so gamey. And all it did was create this wad of stuff on the inside of the cavity that you had to get past in order to get the breast cooked. And he'd cook it for about an hour and a half and it did not taste good. Um, what I tell people with ducks is to make sure that they, you know, they cook them in parts, legs and thighs, you go low and slow, make stock out of the bodies and cook those breasts fast and hot and not past about 130 to 135 degree internal temperature you too will find that your duck is very different. I, I don't cook a duck or a goose without first brining it in a very simple salt water. If you take half a gallon of water, mix it with a half cup each of kosher salt or any kind of coarse salt and brown sugar, leave it in, leave it in there overnight and get the little whatever bloody looking stuff is in that duck and exchange it with brine. It's a whole different duck. And you know what a lot of people do with their game in general is they try and do everything they can to make it not taste like what it should taste like. So they'll take, they'll take a, a perfectly good piece of venison and soak it in teriyaki for 48 hours and then wrap it in jalapeno, bacon, and cream cheese and say, man, this is so good, it doesn't even taste like beer. <laughs> and, I hear you. Yeah, or they'll put it in not, Italian dressing. What's that? Yeah, they'll take it. Or they'll take it and they will marinate it overnight in wishbone Italian dressing. Right. And then they'll put it on the grill or they'll, or they'll put it in the pan, put it in the oven, and they'll cook it for an hour. And when you get done, you have a piece of shoe leather that, the leather that tastes slightly like Italian dressing. And, the, and they'll blame it on the duck. They'll say, man, I don't really like duck. And we all know people who love to shoot ducks and geese but aren't that crazy about eating them. And if, if I can just get them, to try a bite of medium rare properly prepared duck breast that hasn't been completely buried in sauce but it's covered up enough so that they can't see that it's cooked medium rare people take a bite out of it they say man this just melts in your mouth what did you do and i tell them man all i did was cook it a lot less than you do amen you know and that yeah. is a huge deal when i was out there the last time which uh was back in november uh went out there hunting with our buddy scott Beist. Uh -huh. uh, back in November, and we actually recorded a podcast from Scott's man cave while we were out there, but we also uh, cooked, it was opening weekend, or actually I was probably two or three weeks into the duck season, but when they were first starting to hunt, and we cooked duck and speckle belly geese over at his house that night, and uh, he had a couple ladies over there that, you know, they weren't going to eat, they weren't going to eat duck, so I pulled out one of the speck breasts and told them that, uh, it was California sirloin, cooked it on the grill, rare, and they thought it was the best steak they'd ever ate in their life until right. we told them otherwise. You know, if you cook it correctly and you keep it nice and rare, it's amazing how so much game is better for beef and it's better for you. You know, it's low in fat. Of course, it's totally organic uh, because it's not farmed in any way. So, I mean, there are a lot of ways to prepare duck that are excellent as long as you keep it rare. I know a very, very few where cooking it low, slow, and long gives you a great flavor. Well, and it wouldn't it be nice if all of our geese were speckle bellies too, right? right? Hey, amen. Yep. And all of our, <laughs> that would be awesome, actually. I love speckle belly geese. I don't, I don't think there's a better eaten duck or goose than the speck. Um, it's kind of, it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, you know, I love a good fat mallard or pintail, but really the specs are, they're in a category all by themselves. Yeah. Well, I, I 
pretty much believe that you can cook anything and make it taste good. I know uh, you once on the back of a tailgate prepared bison tri-tip for me, and that has to be one of the best things to this day that I've ever eaten. <laughs> well, you know, and what I like to do is, you know, I've got a buddy that I hunted with out here that for many, many years, he would not shoot a gadwall. And he'd say, man, you can't eat gadwall. They fly over to Nevada and eat snails, and then they come back over here to Northern California, and they don't taste good. And I said, you are 100% full of it. That is just not the case. Back of the tailgate after a duck hunt, I had a, a third guy there that, so that nobody, so that everybody knew that I, it was on the up and up. I took a mallard breast, a gadwall breast, just a little olive oil, balsamic vinegar, salt and pepper, and I said, okay, you tell me which one is the mallard and which one is the gadwall, and he could not tell the difference. So the fact that he took so long to make a decision to me was the, that it, 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 he couldn't tell right off the bat. That was enough of a victory for me, but as it turned out, he had a 50-50 chance and chose wrong. You know, there's a lot of people out here that they say, man, I don't eat spoonies. I serve them spoonies all the time. They say, I don't eat snow geese. I say, hey, try some of this summer sausage. And then after they eat it, they, I'll say, yeah, that's from the conservation hunt. Those are all snow geese. And it's been my experience that a lot of people that don't eat certain ducks have never tried certain ducks. On the dead meat show, and I know this isn't a duck, but we did a coot show down in the Delta and took the coots to a buddy of mine's restaurant and he did coot cacciatore. We served it to a bunch of farmers and, and everybody at the place, and these are guys that would not tell us that it tasted good if it didn't taste good, but without exception, they all loved the coot cacciatore. We cooked it medium rare. Put a red sauce on it. It was really good. Now, I haven't shot a coot since. I haven't felt the need. But, you know, we can shoot 25 a day. So if, if stuff really goes south, I know I can still feed my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had pool do catch, Tori. I'm going to take your word on that one. My, it, it, it's not. I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with it. No, when I was a kid, my aunt, she loved to prepare coot. She would do a coot and dressing. And it was edible. I mean, I ate it. But uh, when I think about coot, all I can think about is Aunt Linda's coot and dressing, and it just doesn't do it for me. And what stinks is, I'm like you, I am not a snob when it comes to duck or uh, I'm, I'll eat just about anything that you put in front of me. I'm like, I'll take a bite. You know, you mentioned snake. I love rattlesnake. I, I like snapping turtle. Uh, caught one out here in my pond the other day, and I brought it up to the house, and my wife wouldn't let me pick it. She's like, no, we are not going to do that. You are not going to cook that snapping turtle. Go put it back. So, uh -huh. uh, But I was looking forward to it, you know. So coot's just one of those things that it, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> getting drunk on a certain form of alcohol and getting really sick, and you can never drink that form of alcohol <laughs> again. It might take a while, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the way that I feel about coot too. And I knew you were going to bring Jeffrey in when you mentioned wine because he uh, <laughs> he is the wine guy. I suggested all three of us meet up in Lodi at some point and uh, go out to dinner and, and take him on a tasting because, man, that trip that I made out there, it was just with Kevin Phillips uh, or Kevin. Um, Kevin Phillips, yeah. Kevin Phillips and Michael yeah. David was I, – I wanted to say Kevin Michael. Kevin Phillips and Michael David was – unbelievable and the varieties in the area where you live i mean you are really blessed to be right out there in the middle of wine country for the guy that likes it yeah. well and i will be i'll be hunting the dove opener with kevin on september 1st too they uh 
they have a, they have some pretty good spots for doves out there. They they usually get some safflower in, and and there's you know there's water and tall trees, and we we can usually get our limits pretty quickly there. That's brilliant. That would be that would be really exciting. I like to think of myself as brave as well, but I'm not. I, you know, I'd have to really sack up and be ready. Be ready for that. You know, <laughs> sounds exciting. I'm, I'm very interested. That sounds really fun, um, Scott. So tell me where and tell our listeners where can they find you? Um, where's your so your social media channels, your shows? Give us all that good information. So people can uh, keep sporting, you up. Sportingchef.com is the website, and if you go to uh, Ducks Unlimited's website, ducks.org. I've got 11 years of being their cooking editor on the magazine, so there's lots of stuff in the Ducks Unlimited deal. Um, if you go to the Sportsman Channel, it'll tell you about our TV shows. The Sporting Chef show airs uh, Q1 and 2 starting in 2019. We've been running – I've been with Sportsman Channel since they started about 15 years ago. The Dead Meat show, uh, we'll have all new Dead Meat shows starting in Q3 and 4. Uh, next year and both shows are off the air for the rest of this year while we're shooting new shows but i'm out and about making lots of personal appearances all over the country between now and then and shooting new shows but uh you know we've got a newsletter if you go to sportingchef.com and sign up for the newsletter we'll keep you in touch on when the shows are back on and when we're what we've got going on and giving stuff away and i you know i couldn't help but notice these pictures of jay paul on the xl marine dot com site what's uh jay paul you've been busy <laughs> i've been really really busy i'll tell you what we've uh man things it's exciting times here at, at excel marine i know for you you're probably just in shock and awe to see that i've got a real job with, <laughs> that, I, that i have to work these days as business operations manager for the company but it's been great you know we get to, uh, to get in a lot of different boats just last week i was on mobile bay uh I'll tell you one thing I really want to try to put a date on the calendar for some time in the future. I know it'll probably have to be next summer for you and I to get together because number one, I'd like to get you out in one of our bay boats. I think we would have a blast out fishing. I know you love to fish. And, uh, but number two, um, last week down there, we caught a bunch of Jack Crevel. Uh, you know, those guys, they don't eat them. Uh, I'm sure that you've probably got some way that you could prepare that Jack. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with them. I've cooked them before. They're fine. Yeah, so I'd love to get you down there cooking. And also, we had triple tail. It was my first experience of blackfish. I brought some home and cooked it, and it was absolutely love wonderful. Love triple tail. That's good stuff. Can't imagine what you could do with it. I did pick up a recipe for it uh, from your buddy Hank Shaw that uh, turned me on to his blog, and it was really, really good. But, man, yeah, lots of exciting stuff happened for us here at excel boats you can find us by the way at excelboats.net or excel-marine.com and we're having a big time i want to get you in one of the boats really really soon i know you're on a limited amount of time here today scott so i'm going to let you go but before i do we have a kind of a standard question before we part and uh the question is if i'm in a duck blind with you and i go to rummage through your blind bag to try to find a snack or something to eat what am I most likely going to find in there? Snow goose jerky. Every time? Every time. I've got, you know, we shoot a lot of snows here, and, and I make jerky and sausage out of them, and I do all different kind of flavors. I use high mountain seasonings, and I make snow goose jerky all day long. That's what's in my pack. 
Yeah, I like it. That's what I like to hear. I'm a big jerky fan. Excellent. That's cool. Jeffrey, you got anything else for us, buddy? You know, I really don't. This has been such a pleasure. I am just fascinated. We're going to have to have you back on because I'm sure I'm going to have questions. I'm going to think about this all day and going to want to know more. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're really busy. It sounds like you're busy. Um, and I'm excited to see uh, your new seasons of your shows coming out. That's really exciting. Congratulations on that. And thank Very you so good, much guys. for that. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, and we'll do it again. Yeah. Yes, sir. I hope we do it again soon. Well, guys, I hope all of you have enjoyed it. I know for me it's been super entertaining and, and a great privilege to have him because he's not only a good friend but a, a real entertainer. Um, on behalf of myself and Jeffrey Whitlock and our special guest, the sporting chef Scott Laysat, Thanks for listening to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X podcast powered by Mud Buddy Motors.